Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The following presentation is brought to you by hahajk.com. Hooray for Hollywood! Hooray for Hollywood! You're so misunderstood. Keep shining like you should. Hooray for Hollywood! Hey, this is Brett Kursky. Welcome to another edition of On the List. It's Friday, October 12th, 2012. This is episode number eight. My guest in the studio today is a good friend of mine and a talented actor and musician. His name is Rob Mays. What's up, Rob? Hey. Are you excited to be here? I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, you've got a lot of projects coming up, some this month, some in the next few months. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, the first thing I have to talk about, only because it's the talk of the town today, are these vice presidential debates that were last night. Yes. You heard about those? Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we please start by talking with politics? Yes. I would, I would really, well, really, really we're not going to get into the politics of it as much as, I mean, obviously everybody knows it was Joe Biden versus Paul Ryan, um, but I only bring it up because your tweets last night were so entertaining. Oh, thank you. Is that And they were not, you know, they you were bipartisan. You weren't taking sides. I just thought they were really funny, so I was going to read a couple of them and, and let you respond and explain sort of what they meant. Oh, that'll be fun. Okay. Isn't that, isn't that fun? Yeah. Um, and for people who don't follow Rob, now's your chance, at Rob C. Mays, R-O-B-C-M-A-Y-E-S. And then you can join in on all the fun of following him on Twitter. Um, so the first one that you wrote that I really liked that I retweeted was um, – they ought to expand on these debates, add a boxing match, Jeopardy, stand-up comedy, make it a real spectacle, really get to know these men. Do you really believe that? I would love to see that happen. Because it's kind of stale, the way they do it. It is stale. You know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's time for some change. Like, do you think, why did you come up with those as sort of the additions? Jeopardy sort of for the brains and stand-up comedy for the wit? Yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of, I think, I think politics is, 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 uh, is kind of funny in itself. Yeah. But to kept, you know, give someone like two minutes and be like, get up there and do your thing. Right. Make us laugh. Make us laugh. You know, like I would love to see George Bush get up there and, and, and you know, do two minutes on stage. Right. I think it'd be funny. You know, Clinton would be good at it. Clinton, oh, my God. Clinton would, would put everyone to shame, I think. Yeah. So that, that I think would have made it more interesting. But you watched it. I did watch it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you just wished it had a little more entertainment value. Yeah. I mean, I was I was entertained. But, you know, maybe, uh, you know, add something aerobic. Okay. More like the Olympics. More like the Olympics, <laughs> To yeah. represent our country. Mm. Got it. Uh, you also wrote this. Let's see what you think of this one. This was very clever. Uh, you wrote taxes, schmaxes, abortion, schmortion, partisanship, partisanship, fall apart as manship, live your life, tax, abort, praise, marry, all good, do your thing. Do you remember writing that last night? Oh, dear. Did I write that last night? <laughs> God, I'm going to regret that now. No, but I, I kind of liked what you said because it's sort of like do your thing. Let everyone just do whatever they want. Look, do your thing. I mean, God, why are we so we're so? Why do why do why do we have to meddle in other people's lives? Right. It's just it's ridiculous. I don't even understand why why abortion is is a is a is a, a topic that's up for for debate. I mean, it's a huge issue. Still, but still, but just let let us be. Right. You know, let women do whatever they want with their bodies. Let people marry whoever they want. Just live your life. Just let you Why judge? It. Why censor? Right. Do you think they almost do it because those are just hot button issues that they could get a rise out of people? And Absolutely. Get, and get that's votes? that's that's the reason they do it. Right. And it seems like they go back and forth. Like to one crowd, they say one thing. To another crowd, they say another thing. They just sort of play to their audience. They play to their audience. They're constantly contradicting themselves, and that's that's the game of politics. Right. You know? 
which is why I think it's so funny. Right. You know, oh, I'm so-and-so, and I stick by my word, and I always do what I say I'm going to do. Man, that's right. what everyone says. You know? Well, it's, it is very interesting when politicians, the skeletons come out of the closet. Oh, and there's tons of them in there. Oh, man. walk-in closets, man. Right. I feel like sometimes, what, what's the saying? Thou who protest too much, like the ones who are against things, like, are usually the ones who are doing them behind closed Yeah, doors. they're the ones with the greatest issues themselves. Yeah. I like that. But those were some clever tweets. Now, aside from politics, you also tweet... Um, you're just entertaining on Twitter. I mean, I'm pra- I'm praising you. I'm really actually pretty critical about Twitter, and and I think not everybody's good at it, but you're very good at it. Well, and and I feel like you're you're humble about it too. Thank like, you, thank you. You just sort of open and share stuff. So I'm going to read some of my favorite Rob May's tweets, and we'll use them as sort of like talking. <laughs> okay. Okay. <Are you> ready? <clears throat> These are Rob May's tweets. Uh, right Aid's great if you have all day. Oh God, ain't that the truth? I just thought that was so funny when I read that because it's true. It's like you literally have to carve out a portion of your day just for a trip to Rite Aid. You do. You do. And now you have to get your, your parking validated. <laughs> Walking out there with, you know, three or four Rite Aid shopping bags isn't enough to prove that you were just in there for the last three hours doing some shopping. Right. I know exactly the Rite Aid you're talking about. Yeah. Too. But um, now is that because there's so much to buy or because the cashiers take so long? Like what was really the what did you mean by it? Because I felt like there were a couple couple meanings behind it. Yeah, there, you know, and I, I think that's that's what I try to do in my tweets is, is add a, is add a few is add a few meanings and leave it open to interpretation. Leave it open, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I must say I think I think the people that the, the you know, who run the cash registers there are very sweet. Yes, very but they, sweet. But they take their time. Um, anyhow, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's also a lot to buy because I'll tell you every right. time I go to Rite Aid. You know, I'm buying uh, Halloween decorations. Every time or this month? It, no, no, no. It seems like every time I go to write it, I'm buying Halloween decorations. No matter when it is. I'm always getting those 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 miniature uh, purple, uh, you know, string lights. Right. And I'm getting the orange LEDs. How many can one person have, though? A hell of a lot. I'll tell you, because I have them in my house year-round. And okay. it kind of adds to the, the color, the ambiance of, of each particular room. I know it might sound weird, but... but no, no, uh, no, I like that. Lights are, lights are a big deal. Lights are huge. Yeah. Huge. Like like these these fluorescents above us right now yes. drive me crazy. Right. Well, got this a is, headache. This know? is just audio, so yeah. like the lighting sure. doesn't matter. Well, the, yeah, no one else knows, but... Do you know what I'm always getting at Rite Aid and CVS? I feel like I'm always getting peeps. Do you know peeps? Oh, peeps. Like Easter time? Oh, sure. Yeah, like, they start those like in December. Right. right. Yeah. So <clears> I feel like those are always there, but now they have like... Halloween peeps, like they have jack-o'-lantern peeps. So, like, no matter when you walk in, there's a display of peeps for whatever holiday it is. But I like getting the peeps when they're just a bit stale. So everyone always says that. You know, I like them fresh and soft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how we get into that, but I was, but I remember the day you wrote the right aids great if you have all day tweet. I almost tweeted and didn't and should have. I almost wrote, I can't get out of CVS for less than a hundred dollars because I could go in there for just razors. Or just shampoo, one Razors thing. Razors alone will cost you 100 bucks. Exactly. But I go in there literally for one thing, no matter what, $100 or more when I leave. Well, it's funny you mentioned Razors because I, I tweeted the other day that, uh, you know, why are toothbrushes the most expensive thing ever? You know, I go, razors are the most I want, expensive. And someone, I don't know who it was, but oh, really? someone, someone responded and they said, no, you're wrong. Razors are the are most expensive things. I have an electric one, so I just keep replacing the top of it. So I don't know. That's probably more economical. I might yeah. have to do that. But it's also, I, I just like the way they work. 
but you know, you're on a trip with somebody. They open up their their you know their their toiletry bag, their dop kit, whatever you want to call it. You're in the bathroom, brush your teeth, and you look and go, "Oh my God, man, you need a new toothbrush!" Oh right, absolutely. I mean, that thing is just completely like splayed open. You're right. The shelf life of a toothbrush is less than people realize. They, they yeah. They try to make it last longer. Yeah, but I if, think I think we brush too hard. You <laughs> yes. know, we really get into the gums a bit too much, and 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 we don't replace our toothbrushes uh, enough. Right. I, I think because we can't afford it. They're too. It's wow. too, too costly. So why isn't that issue being discussed at the vice presidential debates? That exa- There you go. Now we're talking. Like that will really speak to the people. Come um, on, Martha. Where were you on that? <laughs> another uh, Rob Mays tweet that I loved. This tweet. Rob Mays wrote, "I love the sound of a woman using a blow dryer." Care to explain? Oh. See, there's I, I there's like three different scenarios that come to mind that a girl could be using a blow dryer. Yeah. It could be that she just showered, she's getting ready for bed, mm. she's blowing her hair, and then she's going to come to bed. So mm. that's nice to hear that sound. Uh, it could be that it's the morning, and she's showered, and she's getting ready for the day, and you guys have a nice day planned. Or it could be nighttime, and you're going out to dinner, or you're going to a club or something, and she's getting ready for that. So no matter when you hear it, it means, like, something good's about to happen. If she's, getting, if she's doing her hair, something good is on the horizon. It's, it's anticipatory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I like that tweet. I feel like you got good feedback on that. People really seem to like that one. Did I? I don't know. Didn't? Did you? Maybe we. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there was a little back and forth about it. Yeah, a little, little uh, splash. Now, I, yeah, I. Th- there's something. There's something so soothing about that sound. About that sound. You know, I've always loved the sound of a vacuum cleaner. Right. The sound of, of a hair dryer. Well, it's familiar maybe to your childhood. Oh, my God. It's so familiar to my childhood. <laughs> my parents were always blow-drying their hair, man. And vacuuming. Oh, God. always cleaning. Yeah. I grew up, we cleaned every Sunday, every Saturday. Every right. fr- God, it was like every freaking day we were cleaning the house, doing dishes, vacuuming, dusting right. stuff, and dust, whatever it was. But always <laughs> blow-drying the hair. So those two sounds were always going. And I think like in the midst of all the chaos that, that it seemed, you know, in my childhood and in my, my home life growing up was, uh, those were two things that really calmed me down. They calmed you. And then when you got a beautiful woman blow-drying her hair... I mean, first of all, there's nothing more gorgeous than a, than a beautiful woman with wet hair just get out of the shower. But right. uh, once she puts on that, that <laughs> sound, man, and gets that, that, that hot air going and just that, that, that sound is just. Um, yeah. I wish we had sound effects here. I'd play that for you right now. Um, another tweet of yours that's similar. You wrote, speaking of cleaning the house and stuff, you wrote, I like the noise that Windex makes when you spray it too fast. Isn't it a cool sound? Yeah. It's a great sound. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, it's, it's too strong. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You, I, I got this thing. Uh, <laughs> I was actually, I was actually at Rite Aid. And, uh, <laughs> it all comes back to Rite Aid. <laughs> it all comes back to, I'll tell you, Rite Aid is great because they got the cheapest beer of any place. My brother didn't believe me. Is that true? It is so true. What about other alcohol? I'm assuming that's cheaper too. I don't know. I haven't really priced other alcohol. I usually just go there and get the beer. Got it. But I mean, you can get a thing of Shock Top, you know, like 12, 12 pack of Shock Top for like, I don't know, ten ninety nine. Wow. Heineken, you know, whatever, whatever you want. I mean, they got really, really good, well priced beer. Wow. Maybe but, Rite Aid will come on and sponsor you somehow. <laughs> you wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Endorsement. They got great priced beer, and they've got they got. Uh, uh, you know, I was looking through there one day, and I, I thought, why clean my shower, right? Every like, well, me six months, but <laughs> if I could, if I could, if I could just get a spray. Oh yeah, that I could spray every after time, each time. They have those, and they have it. Yeah, they had it right there at Rite Aid. Yep, those so work. I, I got it, and I was I was spraying it real fast. You know, uh, okay. and I, <laughs> you know, I got the sound. It just maybe you know made me think of my childhood again. Really, again, it all comes back to cleaning. A lot of cleaning. A lot of themes here. Um, a different theme 
uh, you wrote on Twitter, I prefer to start movies like 20 minutes in. Oh, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Why is that? I think that's probably one of the reasons I don't like going to the theater. I mean, I love going to the theater and seeing a movie on a big screen, but... Um, the first 20 minutes you find tedious? It's so It's so boring to me. Right. I don't know. I just... I. I when I'm when I'm sitting home, and I put on HBO or whatever, I'm flipping through the channels. I you know I always start a movie wherever it's wherever, <laughs> wherever it's there it when I land on the channel. Right. And I feel like there's already the the, the drama, the conflict, all that stuff has already been established. Right. Like and you so don't like, want the exposition. Yeah. Like right. like you know it's more interesting when you're in the street and you see two people fighting. Right. Or arguing. Right. You know a man and a woman like going at each other and it's hilarious sometimes. <laughs> right. I don't need the whole build up. I don't, right. I don't need I don't need the, the, to see him cheat on her and then then her, her come home and oh, find yeah. out. Like I don't need the whole that that whole backstory. Yeah. I just want to see the juice. That reminds me actually across the street from my building a couple years ago I heard screaming and I go out on the balcony. A girl had come home and found another girl at the apartment with the guy. Oh no. So I don't know what the build up was. But I saw the aftermath, and I couldn't stop watching. I mean, you see the girl get kicked out. You see her getting into her car on the street, and the other girl who just came home is on the balcony screaming down at her. The guy saying it's not what it looks like, which means it is what it looked like. It's worse. Worse than what she even looked like. And it was the same kind of thing. I, I understand what you're saying now because it reminded me of that. It's almost better to just dive right into the, the action and the drama. Yeah. I actually I saw Taken 2, the movie, this weekend. I'll, sure. get, I'll get to that when I talk about movies in a little bit. But I thought the same thing. I was kind of like, okay, let's get through these first 20 minutes where everyone is so happily oblivious, and then someone needs to get taken because that's when the movie's really going to start. Yeah. So there's that funny – every thriller has, like, everything's perfect for the first 15, 20 minutes, and then all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. So you just would rather see the hell break loose, basically. I just want the hell. Right. Yeah. Would you ever purposely walk into a movie late in a theater, or it's not that serious? Like, hang out at the concessions for a little longer just to sort of avoid the beginning? That's funny. No, I feel like at a theater, you know, you, you want to get there early. Right. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah, the right, it's the right thing. Well, sure, as, as, as you know, from a selfish standpoint, yeah, good seats. <laughs> but I, I, out of respect, for you know, too. I mean, I, growing up going to a lot of, you know, live theater, mm-hmm. you know, oh, get there, yeah. like, you know, right before the end of the first act. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the, the first act sucks. I'm going to come late. Right. You know, out of respect. So, I mean, that, that you know, even though the actors aren't there, I just I'm still... <laughs> Right. Out of respect for the craft. For the craft, yeah. Um, Now, you wrote another tweet that says, the only place real intimacy seems to exist nowadays is in old literature. I thought that was so interesting and and romantic almost. Yeah, I don't even know if that makes any sense now that I'm thinking back on it. I think I was... Well, I think you were saying that love scenes are, you know, a little more effective in old literature and maybe movies aren't capturing it the same way. Yeah, well, there's certainly a, a beauty to it. The written word. To the written word and, and and I think to how we cherished or uh, – I'm really making you think. I mean, you wrote, the, you wrote these tweets. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. <laughs> do, do I remember writing most of them? I'm not so sure. I, I, you know, I think I was reading, I was reading uh, David Foster Wallace's biography when I, when oh, okay. I, when I wrote that. Um, Got it. And he was really making me think. Um, I thought it was smart. I actually, it made me think too. That's why I liked it. Have you have you read any of David Foster Wallace's stuff? No, but I want to now. Oh, you absolutely should. What he's, were you reading? That was his biography. So so he wrote this book, Infinite Jest, right? Which, okay, that's like everyone talks about now. It seems and and uh, it's something that you know they'd always want to make a movie of, but they'll never do it because it's just it's it's too too crazy of a, of a plot. And, okay, and it's all about addiction. And at the end of the day, uh, Wallace sets out to, to write about boredom. 
Okay. And 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 over the course of his life, he he really uh, became frustrated with the use of irony, right? In literature, <laughs> right? First off, and then secondly, it's used a lot in entertainment, in in film, and TV, right? And that's. That's well, what we all seem to gravitate towards now. That's well, what we dramatic know. irony, I think, for sure. Sure. You, the audience likes to be in on something that the character doesn't know. Yeah. Like, we sort of enjoy that journey of watching a movie where, or even a TV show, where we know something is about to happen, but the character doesn't kind of Sure, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dramatic irony. So, so you're saying, because that was another tweet of yours, you wrote, we need to rediscover boredom. So I see what you're saying. So it all sort of came together. All these thoughts. You were. It, it was all coming together. I was reading a book about love addiction, <laughs> which I think nearly every actor out there suffers from. Uh-huh. Uh, I was reading the book, uh, the, the, the biography about Wallace, and uh, I was reading something else too. I forget what it was, and it was touching on uh, on irony and. Um, do you think boredom and boredom? Do you think it's maybe because we just have so many things at our fingertips that we literally can't get bored? We absolutely do, and that's that's the trouble. Like I don't. I can't remember the last time I was bored. I can't either. Because if you're bored, you grab your iPad, you play words with friends. Yeah. Like you're never actually bored. You're on YouTube, you're 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 on iTunes, you're you're you right. know, you're doing something, you're calling someone, you're texting someone. Like I actually remember being a kid and you know, you're interested in some topic, you have to go to the basement and get an encyclopedia. Or if you didn't have it there, you had to go to the library and look it up. I mean Oh god, the library. To get who still remembers those exactly. days? Exactly. Right? To just get information. Now it's like who sings that song? Google the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I used to call the radio station. Or Shazam it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's even easier. But it's just crazy that I guess there's no such thing as really being bored anymore. I, I don't even remember. I don't hear people even complain that they're bored anymore. They don't they complain because they're, they're not. They're t- you know, they're tired <laughs> because they're exhausted. overextended. Everyone's freaking exhausted. You <laughs> right. drive down Sunset and it's all these billboards like, need sleep, need sleep. Yeah, we do because we need some downtime. Right. We're constantly being bombarded by billboards and TV screens and, 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 and all this media everywhere. Right. Everywhere. And our brains have no time to just breathe and just uh, kind of relax. That's a fascinating thing. It was interesting. I mean, I tweeted the other day something about boredom, and, and, and uh, <clears throat> Alice Gretchen wrote back, and she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I can't, I can't. I, I lose patience every day more and more with people who are bored. I don't know anyone who's bored. I was bored. like, well, are they bored? Are they boring? Maybe they're boring. <laughs> you know, there, I think there's, there's a difference, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, I'm probably taking you off track here. No, no, no. I'm Listen. Your Twitter, we're uh, we're exploring the in- inner workings of your mind. We're really getting the backstory because sometimes you just tweet something and you put it out to the world, but you never really get to explain it. Mm. So I enjoyed your tweets. Uh, one more that I'll mention before we move on that I just thought was clever. You wrote a note to self on Twitter makes no sense at all. Yeah, it is funny. People write note to self. Some pe- they <laughs> they literally write note to self. Never do this. Blah 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 again. Right. That's that's all just silly. That does not work on social media because it is not a note to yourself. Well, you're very clever, Rob Mays. So, like I said, follow him on Twitter because there's some really thought-provoking material on there that I really enjoy. (laughs) Um, uh, That's the first time I've ever compiled a list of someone's tweets and read them back to them. Oh, my God. I feel feel really honored. I really do. Thank you. you. It was monumental. No no irony there. That was just... That was earnestness, heartfelt, and the, the truth. Thank you. Great. Um, so very quickly, something I like to do here on, on the list is I go through the top five movies at the box office. Oh, cool. Um, if my guest has seen any of them, they're welcome to chime in at any time. If not, you can just listen. <laughs> or you can just you know give your thoughts. Maybe you've heard about the movie or something. Um, so the number five movie in the country right now is a movie called Frankenweenie. It's an, an animated Halloween movie. It made $11.4 million in its first weekend. I have not seen it yet. Number four is a movie called Looper, which made $12.1 million in its second weekend. I did see that movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bruce Willis. Um, 
Number three is Pitch Perfect, which went wide this past weekend. It brought in $15 million in its second weekend. Uh, I talked about it last week. I actually really enjoyed it. It's a fun movie. You sing, right? You're a singer. I do, yeah. So you might actually like it. It's like acapella, collegiate, like competing. Yeah, no, I, I want to see it, actually. I've heard really good things. It's fun. So that was that was that was number that three. That was number three, yeah. Number two, Hotel Transylvania. Another ah, right. another animated uh-huh. Halloween movie. Twenty seven million. That's a lot. In its second weekend. And the number one movie at the box office, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, was uh Taken Two, which made fifty million dollars. Is it really? That's number 50 one. Fifty million, yeah. That's a lot for wow. that kind of movie. Um third biggest opener ever for Liam Neeson, behind Star Wars Episode One and Clash of the Titans. But it was his biggest opening where he's like the star of the movie. Are you a Liam Neeson fan? Wow, I love Take, Liam Neeson. Did you see Taken 1? I did see Taken. Oh. Yeah. So you might like Taken 2. Yeah. No, I look forward to seeing Taken 2. Yeah. I mean, it's not getting the best reviews, but it is what it is. I reviews, shmmmer news. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier about, about reviews. You know, it was like, come on. Yeah, the bobsled team movie. I forget the name again. What cool Runnings? Cool Runnings, man. It got terrible reviews. A lot. I mean, I could go on and on about movies. I got yeah, terrible reviews. terrible reviews. Like, what the hell with Listen, reviews? Listen, I know. Man? I just, you <clears> know what? a great movie. You know what's funny? This goes back to the internet and boredom and stuff like that. People used to not be as savvy about how much money movies made at the box office. It used to just be you went to see what you wanted to see and what your friends told you to go see. Like now with the internet, you find out, oh, it's not performing well at the box office. It's like regular people who didn't work in the business didn't care about that back in the day. Now they're finding out, like, the movie underperformed at the bottom. Like, that really shouldn't affect. Oh, sure. Now there's a whole new level of manipulation that goes that right. goes into it. Like, oh, Taken made $50 million. We have to see it. You know, but I think people would see that anyway because it's a sequel to a big hit. Um, so I did see it. It's um, listen, it's outlandish, it's silly sometimes, but it's suspenseful and it's entertaining, which is all it's really supposed to be. It's like a popcorn movie. You're rooting for Liam Neeson, and um, I don't want to give anything away, but a different person or people get taken in this movie. It's not the same as the first one. Holy moly. Yeah. That's suspense. Isn't that cool? You know, my buddy uh, Raconia tweeted the other day that um, that Joe Biden should uh, – <laughs> back to politics for me – that Joe Biden should be in Taken 3. <laughs> just think about that. Uh, instead of Liam or along with Liam? Maybe alongside. Interesting. Like So it becomes more of a buddy cop comedy type movie. Interesting. Yeah, totally, totally something different. Um, but Taken 2, it's uh, – it, 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 Listen, I mean, I my tw- in my tweets about the movie, I sort of said, you know, that, um, you know, guns never run out of bullets, cell phones never run out of charge. Like, if that was happening to me, my cell phone would not get service or the battery would certainly not last. And I'm certain that the guns that I picked up would not have enough bullets to get me through what Liam gets through. But it's entertaining. It's well, how much did it cost movie. to make that movie? It cost a lot of money. Sure it did. Yeah. All the bullets that cost a lot of money. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if they All those cell real. phone towers, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about within the, the fictionalized yeah, We don't know. World. I mean, look at Argo. I mean, I, we Maybe don't know what's going on, man. We don't know what's going on. I've got some movies that haven't come out. I think, you know... I don't I'm going to see Argo this weekend. I'm excited about that. Um, so I did see two other movies this week that were not in the top five yet. One is called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Have you heard about it? Oh, I've heard much about it. I love sure. it. One of my favorite books growing up. Did you read it? Yeah. You're did, you, very, did you read no, it? No, I didn't even you know about, about it. Oh, my God. you got to read I it. No, it's frustrating I, when I don't even know. Have you know. seen the movie yet? Yes. You have seen it. I saw the movie Sunday. I did double feature with Taken 2, and I loved it. I went in not knowing anything. I was blown away by Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm really excited to see that, too. Yeah, because it, it was one of my favorite books. So going. good. See, yeah. if you love the book, you'll definitely love yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say they didn't love the book, but they still like the movie. I don't know, back and forth on it. But 
it's so interesting to me because I wasn't the wallflower character, like the outcast in high school, but I still identified so much with the story because it's just about fitting in anywhere. It's about sort of finding your way. I think we all way. identify. We all identify yeah. with that character. You didn't have to be the kid who didn't have friends who sat at the school dance on, against the wall, literally a wallflower. But you still feel you, – first of all, you feel for him. He's very – Logan Lerman's performance is incredible. Um, you feel for him, but it's just about finding how you belong, whether it's the popular kids, whether it's the smart kids, whether it's the jocks. Wherever you did fit in, it's about finding your place in that world. Well, sure, and I think in you know our world, I mean, even the the, the coolest seeming people, you know, they, they're still they still feel like they're outcasts. Yeah, I mean, we all we all feel that. Well, a lot of the people in LA who everyone looked to as the cool people probably weren't in high school. Oh, sure, they were in drama club or sure. chorus or whatever. And now they're movie stars and musicians, and so it's kind of cool. You can sort of, you know, if you're true to yourself and you stick to what you're good at and what you love and what you're passionate about, I think you come out strong. But that's sort of... So the movie, you know, Logan Lerman, he just doesn't have friends. His one friend committed suicide. You know the story from reading the book. Um, But he just sort of finds his way because Ezra Miller, who's in it, uh, who is in We Need to Talk About Kevin, and Emma Watson, who is Hermione from the Harry Potter movies, they're like these cooler, older kids who just sort of take a liking to him. He's a nice kid, and they let him, you know, come to their parties, and their parties are all the alternative kids, and... You know, he tries drugs with them and just little things that he has to do to fit in. But he ends up really loving these people and caring about these people. So it's kind of like, um, what did she call it? Emma Watson calls it like the land of misfit toys. You know, so that's yeah. how she refers to them. Yeah. And it's, it's really nice. So I highly recommend Perks of Being a Wallflower. You have to tell me what you think when you see it. It's very nostalgic, very sweet, very smart. Um, and I also saw a movie called The Sessions. Have you heard about this? Oh, my God. I've heard so much about it. Actually, I'll tell you, I was uh – uh, I was at Sundance. Yes, and I was we doing, are going to talk about Sundance. Let's talk about it. We but I, I was at Sundance, and I was, I was, I was there uh, for a movie that I had there, and, and we were doing interviews, and they kept asking me questions along with my buddy Chase. And yes. I couldn't answer the questions because I kept seeing William H. Macy. <laughs> I kept seeing John, uh, Hawk. John Hawks. They're walking by making lox bagels like right there in front of me. I'm like, this – that's fascinating. Those man. are actors. Like, why, why are you talking to me, man? Like, those, those are the guys you'd be talking yeah, to. Yeah, we're going to talk about Sundance for sure. I have a whole So I, there's a lot. Yeah, that, that's a movie that about. I really want to see. Oh, oh really, yeah. So really the Sessions. Well, yeah, The Sessions was at Sundance. I did not get a chance to see it there. I did see your movie there, which we'll talk about. But um, they had the premiere Wednesday night at the LACMA, which is the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. And so I got to go to that. Um, I have a friend that works at Fox Searchlight that invited me to the movie. And uh, it's a true story. Uh, it takes place in the 80s. Which is actually actually Perks of a Wallflower, Perks of Being a Wallflower also takes place in the eighties. They're both true stories, um, but the sessions basically John Hawks plays a paralyzed man who had polio and he can really only move his head and he types on a typewriter with a pencil in his mouth and he has to be wheeled around in a bed and he has at night he sleeps with this iron lung, so he's never had sex, so he gets a sex surrogate, uh, and that's and she's played by Helen Hunt and this is a true story. And she basically teaches him sort of how to be aware of parts of his body that he's never been able to touch because he's paralyzed. And she does it for him. And it's, I mean, it's intense. And the actors uh, give very brave performances, I would say. And I think John Hawks will be nominated for Best Actor for sure. Um, Helen Hunt will probably be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. William H. Macy's really good. as He's the priest that he goes to to confess. Um, so, yeah, so that movie is called The Session. So that's going to come out. Uh, it should be out soon. But this is a nice time of year. This is when all the Oscar movies start coming out. Oh, there's so much I want to so see. Right so now. much fun, so too. Much. Yeah, it's like you have all the fun summer stuff that you can go see, but now it's like you see the the Oscar winning movies. Well, start Seven Psychopaths, out. Argo. Yeah, 
It's a good time at the oh, movies. Man. That's why I do the these double features. Stuff, yeah. So do you get to the movies a lot, or you don't get to go as much? I as don't go like? as much as I would like. Yeah. Why is that? Just busy working. I, you know, I don't know. I could probably make up some excuse. <laughs> there, there is no excuse. I really, I really should be at the theater more, seeing mo- more movies. Yeah. But. Well, let me know what you think of those. So now let's talk about you and your movies. Now that we've talked about other people's <laughs> movies, um, so you and I have known each other for a while. I was trying to figure it out. I think did I? Were you in LA in two thousand nine? You were here, right? In 2009, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's when I first met you through a mutual friend of ours, Jenny Muro, right? Oh, Muro, Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, we didn't know each other that well back then, but I think that's when I initially met you. That sounds about right. Through Jenny, yeah. I was doing a party in 2009 at a club called Playhouse. We used to do, like, the upstairs VIP, and I'm, I think a group of you came. I'm pretty sure, because every time I do these podcasts, I'm like, i, I got to remember how I met or first met my guest, you know? Because you forget. like you. That's funny. Playhouse, yeah, I had my birthday party there. Oh yeah, so it maybe may, that's what it, it was. May have been, it may have been 2009, maybe. actually. Well, that's when I was there. Yeah, we that's used to do this little VIP upstairs thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's probably when it was. But then we reconnected years later. Yeah. Um, became friends, um, and we got to hang out this year at Sundance, like you mentioned. We did Sundance Film Festival fun. 2012, <clears throat> January of this year. Your movie John dies at the end. Uh, it was a big midnight premiere that had a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. Um, very highly anticipated movie at the festival. We're going to talk all about that, um, but I do want to say that it's coming out on demand December 27th. I saw that on the poster, right? Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's the 27th or 28th, yeah. December 27th, which is soon. <clears throat> cool. Two, two months, and it's going to be in theaters February 2nd. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that it's coming out on demand first. It kind of, I think that's fun when they do that. It gives people a chance to sort of see something before it comes out in theaters. Yeah, and I think they're doing the same platform uh, that they did with... Um, Oh, man, now I'm going to forget the name of the movie. Um, Bachelorette? Thank you. Yes. The that, was a, yeah, and that, that was also at Sundance. Which is, this is their, this is their distribution platform. They're, they're, they're releasing it on, on demand. And then, you know, well, I think it's, or so later, it's, it, hits, it hits theaters. Well, the thing is, when it's on on demand or iTunes, you can't buy it. You rent it. So you watch it. So it's not like they're, you know, they're not completely taking the value away from it eventually being the theater. So it's like for those cult fans, and John Dies at the end has cult fans, um, I think they're going to be really excited to get to watch it because it's like December 27th, people are home for the holidays, they flip on the TV, what can I watch? It's just like a fun movie to watch on the couch and then for those fans that want to see it in the theater, they'll also get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's like a double revenue stream, I think. Um, we're going to get very into John Dies at the end, we're going to in detail, but let's. Uh, what I like to do with this timeline is sort of go back to the beginning. So um, where are you from and when did you decide that you wanted to be an actor? Do you remember that? <laughs> Does that ring a bell? I, it rings a bell. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Cleveland. Right. Uh, that's a city in Ohio. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we were in the news yesterday about an RTA tr- bus driver who decided to uppercut some woman on a bus, which is not one of our proudest moments. No. Um, yeah, grew up in Cleveland. Um, went to school there. And uh, then I spent some time in England. And then I came back and... Um, Spent a couple years at the Naval Academy. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, actually. Right. That's and, important, uh, too, to, to know about your background. Yeah. It was, I mean, a different part of my life, and, and part of me, you know, not regrets leaving, but, uh, you know, that was definitely not an easy decision to leave to leave Annapolis and, and uh, start doing this. But Is that why you left? I, I left for a number of reasons. But, yeah, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to, to come back to the arts. Right. I wanted to come back to music. I wanted to come back to acting and just kind of give that a go. So you did it growing up for fun? I did, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been playing piano since I was five. Oh, really? And yeah, and uh, that's—I mean—that's become like my meditation, oh, that's my music. Nice. 
That's cool. Yeah. And I, so, I, so you're at the Naval Academy, and you're just like, I need to get back to that. Well, it was crazy because I'm at, I'm at the Naval Academy, and for your first year as a plebe, mm-hmm. they referred to you as a plebe. Really? Right? Like the, the plebeian class, the lowest of the oh, low. Oh, the lowest of the low. And you can't listen to music. They ban you from listening to music your first year. Wow. And I was like, okay, the push-ups, the, you know, <laughs> right. the academic, whatever. Like, I, you know, put me through that all. Right. But let me have but my let music. me listen to my music, man, because that's that's what saves me. How do they ban it? They just they don't allow. They don't allow iPods. They don't or allow it. And if you're caught with it, then you know you pay the price. Wow, it's like candy at sleepaway camp. Like they search your, oh God, <laughs> they just, search it's your evil. Back. It's evil. If oh, you feel like you're so. You went a year without music. Well, I've never even heard of that before. There are ways of getting around it. Uh, you know, there are right. people always breaking rules. And and, and could you go out to bars where they're playing music? Um, well, you couldn't like, you couldn't drink your first year. Oh, right. How old are you when you're at Naval Academy? Eighteen. Well, I was how old was I? I don't know. Twenty. I think I was twenty one, maybe. But I, you still can't drink your first year. Right. Maybe I was twenty. I don't remember how old. That's I was. very strict. Yeah. Yeah. So Hollywood is is cake compared to the Naval Academy. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's wow. Nuts. Yeah. Um. So okay. So you're at the military academy. You leave. So I left. I came back home. Uh, did some did some plays. Did some musicals back home, and then uh, decided to move to New York. When was that? How old were you then? I was uh, twenty. I don't know. Twenty one, maybe. Okay. Twenty one. Twenty two. Twenty one year old kid. Twenty two year old kid in New York City. What's your first step? Well, you know, it was, it was crazy. What I what I did was was I was in Cleveland. and I thought, okay, I want to I want to try this acting thing mm-hmm. again. Right. I acted in, in high school. I acted in, in London. Right. But never seriously. So I was like, I kind of want to try to make a living doing this now. And so I literally sent out just the packet, the package to, to, to every agent in New York City. Really? And it was What was my, it, a headshot? My headshot. Resume. <laughs> my extended resume. <laughs> right. And just a, a letter. Just like, hey, my name's Rob, like from Cleveland. This is my story, and this is where I kind of want my story to go and continue. And Did you get a response? I did. And th- the first response I got was from some agency that I'd never heard of called, uh, I think it was CAA. Oh, really? <laughs> I swear to you, it was the craziest <laughs> thing. I had no idea what it was. I'm like, ah, scam, whatever. They're like, thank you for your submission. We're currently not interested in you know new submissions or whatever, but right. thank you. And they sent my stuff back. I'm like, oh, that's very sweet. I like that you wrote that letter. I actually, I used to do that too, the old-fashioned way of writing letters before email, sort of. Just it, Totally. And you just sort of introduce yourself and you hope someone responds. I have a friend who used to call it Brett and his magic letters. And it's true. You just like, why not? You have nothing to lose. I think and and people, plus, people love getting letters. I think so know, too. Even if it's an unsolicited uh, <laughs> headshot. <laughs> headshot package, right? I think we but still so love getting mail. So you got headshots taken in Ohio. I yes, I did. Okay. I did. Yeah, but it wasn't a thing, probably. That your friends in Ohio did they not have? Were you the kid with the headshots? Or were there other? You know, kids? I grew up like modeling and stuff, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it. But like, my parents got me into it at a young age, and I thought this is kind of cool. You know, I'm making a couple hundred bucks doing this, doing that, and yeah. I put that money towards college. Right. Uh, ultimately, I didn't need that money for college because you know, you guys, the taxpayers, helped me. Uh, <laughs> you paid for my my college experience exactly. at the Naval Academy. But so thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I, yeah, I submitted to, to every agent in New York, and I started to get some responses. And and after CAA, like I got some that were like actually like you know what, if you're going to be here, like that's. Let's meet. Let's meet. That's nice. And I thought, okay, they're all scams, <laughs> but whatever. Let's sit down. So I went there and was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're all bullshitting me. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But actually, it turned out to be true, and uh, I ended up uh, going with the, the first agent I met. Do you remember who they were? Very, very well. Do you still know them? I do. Are you still working with them or no? Uh, sadly, no. 
No, not anymore. Um, but that's cool. Someone took a chance on you. They they took a huge chance, and um, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. Did yeah, they get you first? Really great people. They get you your first job. They did. Yeah, I was there, and I think, gosh, a week after I was it was in New York, I was already nearly broke after putting down my my deposit on the, <laughs> right, the on place. An apartment. And then once you start taking the train, and oh my god, how small so, was the apartment? So expensive. Well, you know, we were actually up in in Washington Heights. Okay, and so we had this like. It was actually pretty sizable, oh, like, like a four, yeah, four bedroom, like exposed wow. brick. Like it was really, really. Wow, that beautiful. sounds really nice. Wait, yeah. four bedroom. Who were you with? Friends? Oddly enough, a bunch of us from Cleveland. None of none of whom I'd ever known before. <laughs> no way. But it was a girl who, who was doing who was doing plays in the New Ohio York, kids, and uh, another guy who was working on MTV, and his buddy who worked at MTV. So it was like a bunch of entertainment people. That, but but all of us were from Ohio. It was, too, it was crazy. It none like, of us knew I mean, each other. That's a sitcom. Three guys, a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apartment in New York. All um, trying to make it. Yeah. So what was, what was the first job? So, like, after a week or two of being there, I, I went out for Law & Order SVU. I have that down here as your first credit. And it was. 2007. It was. Yeah. So you got an episode of Law & Order SVU. Yeah, I got a small role in SVU. I worked with, um, God, who did I work with? I did, yeah. Chris Maloney. Chris Maloney. Mariska Man, that was crazy, yeah. So people must have been freaking out back home in Ohio. Back in Ohio, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God, I was freaking out. It was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, been two weeks there, and I was like, "Sweet!" Now I got to you know, check to kind of afford my next my next rent and right and add it to the resume. Yeah, the the expanding resume. So now, um, two thousand eight, you booked a job that I, was this your big break? It's called American Mall. Oh, that was uh, such a great experience. Uh, yeah, the American Mall. Yeah, and now I remember that because they were pitching it sort of, or promoting it as MTV's High School Musical, basically. It was from the same producers. The same producers, yeah. So I remember them promoting. They promoted the hell out of that that show. Yeah. And yeah. so it was a musical TV movie on MTV that takes place in a mall. In a mall. So it's kind of like Fast Times at Ridgemont High meets American, what, what's it called, uh, a high school musical. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so you're the lead in that, correct? I'm one of them, yeah. Nina Dobrev. <clears throat> Nina Dobrev, Autumn Reeser, uh, myself, um, yeah, man, we had we had a blast doing that, and I tell you, that that was not <clears throat> it was not an easy an easy movie because for for me, like I I had never danced before. Right, so dancing, singing. Remember, acting. I went into the audition, and then they're like, you know, all right, sing the song. So I sing a song. I'm like, all right, now do the scenes. I'm like, do the scenes. I'm like, now tell us you could dance. I'm like, I could, but I would be lying. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't dance. You know? Wow. And uh, I had I had to learn, you know, as best as I could. So I spent months months just taking classes at Ailey and 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 then out here at the Edge and. No, it's because you could well, sing. You think that you got that role? That helped, obviously. I don't know. I guess I was able to fool them. Well, you're a singer. You sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very humble. I'm not sure if the listeners can tell that you're being humble. Um, but uh, so you and Nina Dobrev played love interests, right? So you were like the lead guy and the lead girl. She's now on Vampire Diaries. What's it called? Vampire Diaries. I'm kidding. No, I know. Very, no, I'm very, very excited for her. Very happy uh, for her. Yeah. But that's cool. You guys kind of broke out together. Yeah. But I don't know if I had seen her before that. And she's great. Oh, yeah. She's terrific. Beautiful girl. Um, did you start to notice now a difference? Like, did you get recognized for this? Because MTV, everybody has MTV, and they play things over and over and over. Oh, I can't even leave my house nowadays. <laughs> well, now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in 2008, did you notice a difference? Or? <laughs> totally. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I know. I uh, hope people realize. No, 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 no. In two th- No, not at all. No, I mean, you know, it's, what, what, what is funny, I, I was going to... Uh, Gypsy Kings concert. Okay. Like two months ago. Okay. With my brother and his girlfriend. And um, I'm waiting in line. 
And this little kid and his mother come up to me, and he's like, "Hey, um, are you are you the guy from American Mall?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" I'm like, dude, I, my hair is short. Right. I learned my lesson. No more weird, like, greasy long hair that looks <laughs> foolish and silly. Like, how do you recognize me? That's incredible. You know, and he was the sweetest kid and such a sweet woman. I, you know, and so, no, I mean, I did not get recognized. Like, and, and, and you know, the movie didn't do that well, um, which was, you know, kind of unfortunate because <clears throat> we all really believed in it. And I think it's a cute, it's a cute movie. And, and furthermore, the music is great. Right. The music is really, really Yeah, good. it says that you had where is it, five songs on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But wow, it, it was cool. Yeah. But at least, you know, it was sort of, it was a break. It was a leading role. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't change that for the world. I mean, I made, made a lot of great friends from that project. And um, Where'd you guys shoot it? <laughs> we shot it in, uh, in Provo. Oh, really? In Utah. Wow. Salt Lake and Provo. In a real mall? In, pro- in a real mall. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. Fast Times Original High was a real mall, too. It's crazy. I mean, real stuff. Yeah. Real stuff. They, they, I mean, that's, that's what I mean. There's, like, a real integrity to our movie. We shot in a real mall. It wasn't right. even fake. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we shot in Provo, which was, was uh, you know, one of the most exciting places probably in the country. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is when you're there shooting a movie. Uh, oh, undoubtedly. But were you sort of like, is this really happening? Or because it seems it seems to kind of come very easily to you. Completely. It, yeah. The whole the whole time you're like, it felt like a dream. Right. You know? Man, it sounds kind of stupid to say like everything feels like a dream. No, it it's true. But it does. It does because you don't feel like it's really happening. Well, listen. Also, listen. I grew up in New Jersey. You grew up in Ohio, so you feel very far away from what's going on here in Hollywood. It doesn't feel. I mean, you know, you want it and you know you will attain it, but it, you're like, how am I going to pull this off? How am I going to get in there? So when it finally happens, it's got to be sort of just amazing. <clears throat> you know, I remember the time when I when I when I got the offer. I remember I was I was I was uh, well, whatever it doesn't matter. I, whatever I'm seeing a girl, but I, I was out here. <laughs> she was out of town. She let me her car for the weekend. It was just like you know, it doesn't even matter what the car was. But it was, <laughs> okay. it was a fun car, okay. And so I was like just kind of cruising around, like clearing my head. I, I threw on some uh, some some music in her car, and um, and I was driving to the Getty. Okay. I thought, you know what? I should have heard already. That's if they a nice cast, guess. I haven't heard yet. That means they probably already cast the movie. Like, whatever. I just need to clear my hand. So I drove to the Getty down Sunset, and I mm-hmm. go up to the, 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 the Getty, and I'm up there. For those who I don't take, know, it's a beautiful museum that overlooks oh, the city of Los Angeles. Oh, it's stunning. It's stunning. And so I just went up there to kind of clear my head, and I'm taking the tram up. And then as soon as I get to the top, my phone starts ringing. And you know, as you might know, when you get up there, and I have a rise. You, there's no service. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 Who's calling? Who's calling? And it was my agent, my manager. And I'm like, oh, well, they call you together. You know, either there's good news or really bad news. <laughs> right. They need you to okay? sit down. Okay. Either, like, you're in big trouble <laughs> right. or, like, you're, you know, maybe going to do a guest spot or something. Right. <laughs> and so they're calling, like, oh, you got the raw. Like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And it was just this overwhelming moment. What of, a great you know, place to be. Oh, it was such a beautiful the place to arrive at the top of the tram at the Getty. And then they had this phone call. And, and it was, like, just a beautiful day. The sun was going down. And and after all this months and months of, of work, you know. Right. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd passed on other stuff, you know. I had other offers to do other stuff. And and I passed on it because I thought that maybe there was a chance that, that they would choose me for this role. Yeah. And you got it. And then, yeah. That's exciting. It was super exciting. So what, did you still go to the museum, or you just turned around and went back home? <laughs> just sort of took in the moment? I took in the moment, man. I laid down. <laughs> laid down right there and stared at the sky for about 45 minutes. Yeah. That's been a pattern on this podcast when people tell stories. They remember where they were when they booked things. They remember mm-hmm. where they were driving, what intersection they were at. 
Those are like profound moments that you get that. Look, call. I was I, I discovered a Jan Tiersen CD in this car that I was oh, wow. driving, and and since that day, he's been one of my favorite artists. Yeah, and it was just a crazy day. Well, you hear that song, and it takes you back to that moment. Ah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a really nice story. Yeah. So now, what happens after American Mall? You um, start booking more roles on TV shows. Right uh, after American Mall, I feel like I probably didn't work for like a year. Really, <laughs> it, it feels that way. Um, when did you make the move from New York to LA? So that's so American Mall uh, essentially brought me out to the, the final callbacks were out here. Okay, and then we shot it in Utah, and then right after Utah, I drove back to LA and uh, never looked back. Made this home. Wow. Yeah. So that was two thousand eight. I think it was. Yeah. So I have here that you did Cold Case, yes, Bones, yes. Medium. Mm. So you're starting to get steady work now at that yeah. point. Yeah. So that must have felt good. Yeah, it was felt feeling great. You and know. everyone back home supporting it, the family. What did your family think? Totally. Well, my family's always, I mean, I think they've always thought I was kind of nuts. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, like growing up, I wanted to be a surgeon. <laughs> okay. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe put medicine on hold. I'm going to go be a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. So I go, you know, do that, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm gonna. Yeah. So I keep like changing my mind every like two years. You right. Know? And here I was in England. My parents are like, what are you doing in England? Like they're like, go to go to Tufts, go to go to where, go to school, go get your MD. Right. I was like, well, I don't know. And then a naval captain like, oh man, I want to leave this. Like, what are you doing? You're nuts, you know. Well, I feel and, like everyone who ends up out here is sort of the one in the family who's a little crazier. Well, it's funny. <laughs> my, my brother's out here too now. Oh yes. We live together, and he's in finance. Okay. <clears throat> so. So that's a real gig. He he's able to you know kind of keep me from spending too much money. Not that I have any to spend, but you know. Wow. Um, now, what else went on in between before we get to the stuff that you're working on now? Um, you tell me <clears throat> your little memories, maybe anecdotes about these projects. But I have on here two Lifetime movies, and I bring those up because Lifetime movie fans are loyal fans. I feel like every girl loves Lifetime movies. Lifetime is a terrific network. Yeah, they have a very very loyal audience. And I mean that, yeah. I growing up, man. I I come home from school and like you know sit down at the TV after like playing soccer or whatever, and I'd open a, a big tub of uh, sour worms, really? sour straws. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. And I'd eat those until my teeth hurt. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know why my mom would do this, but she would buy them in bulk from like Sam's Club. They or kept Costco. you happy. Yeah. They kept me so happy. And along <laughs> with like that, that two liter of Coke. Oh wow! I was just I was feeling great, and either watching Jerry Springer or Lifetime movies. And I remember I was watching Lifetime one day, and they're like, "You're watching television for women." And I go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa what? Excuse me, what? There's some mistake here. Who's like, what am I doing here?" Wow. I was like, Wait a minute. No, actually, I'm kind of enjoying this movie. I am not a woman, <laughs> right. but I am enjoying this. <laughs> Maybe I'm being influenced from this like overload of sugar, but regardless, right. anyhow, it's like, don't bother me. I'm sitting here eating my candy. I'm, s- I'm my eating soda. my candy, regardless of whether or not this is t- television for women. So be it. So I'm watching Lifetime. <laughs> my brother. Years later, you know, he's like in the gym, you know, trying to be a hard ass, getting all buff and stuff. Right. And, and, and he's, he's like, you know, I really love, uh, like, what's that? He was Lifetime movies. Wow. I said, wow, you too. Yeah. And now Lifetime's totally changed. And they got the. Oh, I think it's still considered television for women, but I mean, but you know what? Those movies are, they're cool, right? They're like those, like, after school specials that we sort of grew up on. I love them. They're cautionary tales. <laughs> Acceptance. Okay, so yeah, so there's a movie called Accepted or Acceptance. Acceptance. Okay, and that was a Lifetime movie, which I haven't seen. 
You should see it. But it's, I would. I would like to see it. It had Mae Whitman was the star. Mae Whitman she's is on incredible. Parent, she's on Parenthood, which I love. She's in Perks of she's Being a Wallflower, yeah. which I love. You have to see it. I will. So tell me about Accepted. It's uh, Mae Whitman is the lead, and who does she play? And who Acceptance, do you play? yeah. Um, <clears throat> What's well, all about the big charade that uh, the nonsense that the getting into college is. Right. And it's funny, too. It's uh, timely because my little brother now is is applying to colleges, right? And I keep remembering now when I was applying to school. You know, I applied to like twenty five different schools oh, in yeah. senior high school. I had no idea. Like, I did medicine or this or that or blah blah blah. Right. Well, you wanted to do so many different careers. I was all over the place. You didn't know where to go to college. Yeah. And my little brother, he doesn't know what he wants to do necessarily. Right. Um, but the whole process is such a it's so silly. Well, it's got to be different now with computers. <clears throat> I mean, we used to have to hand write. Our applications. I oh, sure. You, I bet you don't have to do sure. that anymore. I mean, I think they, some some schools still require handwritten, handwritten stuff. But oh, I don't even know. It's been so long. But it's such a silly, silly process. And everyone's trying to figure out the game. Right. Like, how do we win the game? How do we get in? How do we get in? What are you looking for? Tell me what you're looking for, and then I'll be that. Right, exactly. Like, that's that's not that's not a, a, a decent way to, a, to approach your, like, college adulthood right like here you're gonna like you know set off on your own and you're gonna be like tell me what you want i'll be that like that's just that's just not right right you want them to be true to who they are be true to who you are i can tell my brother i'm like you know (laughs) just whatever they're asking for in an essay i don't know take a risk right try it man right you know maybe make, make it one long sentence I don't know. <laughs> right. Something weird. Just, just stand just, just out. Something, something. Now, yeah, does he want to go to college in California because his two brothers are here? Uh, he's, he's looking into it. Yeah. That'd be nice for him. He's looking into it in New York, you know. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. So the movie Acceptance <clears throat> is about that. And now who do you play? Uh, I had a really small role. Yeah. Uh, I play a guy uh, by the name of uh, Justin Smelling. Oh, really? Smelling. That's the character's name? Yeah. That's an interesting name. He's a douche. Really? He's an absolute douche. Um... <laughs> Did you very very intelligent? Oh, okay, but he's a douchebag. Right. Uh, he wants to go to Harvard. Okay. And he's got Harvard plastered all over his car. <laughs> he's got this big yellow Hummer, and there's the Harvard all over the place, and and he's dead set on Harvard. And let me guess, he doesn't get into Harvard. He gets into Harvard. Oh, he does. Yes. Oh, nice little twist. You know who doesn't get into Harvard? May Whitman. John Keltz is character. Ah. John Keltz's character doesn't get into Harvard. <laughs> okay. But Justin Smelling does. Wow. He does. Now, when you get a part... But then he gets hit by a bus. You do? Yeah, he gets hit by a bus. And then he's in a cast. He's in a full body cast. Oh and he's God. laid up in, like, traction. But he's happy as can be because he got into Harvard. Right. These Lifetime movies. Edgy. It was cool. It was directed by Senna Hamri. And, and uh, she's... I love her. And um, we were actually just reunited on another project. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that. And so then, also in 2009, another Lifetime movie called Sorority Wars. Sorority Wars. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That sounds fun. That's and it kind of, of actually works nicely after acceptance. Acceptance is about getting into college. Getting into college. Sorority Wars is what happens when you get there. Now we're dealing with college. Right. So mm-hmm. that movie uh, stars Lucy Hale, who mm-hmm. I know. She, she dated a friend of mine. Um, she's now in Pretty Little Liars. She. It's about two girls who grow up as best friends who go to college together, but then they end up in rival sororities. Uh-oh. And her mom is played by Courtney Thorne Smith. Amazing. Who I love. Oh, amazing. I've been in love with her since I'm a kid. Oh, God. Everyone. Not to – I don't sure. – I didn't, you know – I don't want to insult her that I was a kid, but but she was young too. She was in summer school, which is one of my favorite movies at all time. Oh, of she's, all time. she's amazing. I love Courtney Thorne Smith. Melrose plays. I mean, the list goes on. Um, did you get to work with her? Uh, I did. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. So she's Lucy yeah. Hale's mom. So were you Lucy Hale's love interest? Mm-hmm. That's nice. Oh yeah, it was. 
Yeah, she's beautiful. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a good actress. Hey, God, her voice is incredible. Music, right. Music. She's a singer as well. Something else, man. Now, um, you started getting these roles as sort of like the heartthrob. How did that feel? You were always like the love interest to the lead girl, kind of. Yeah, you know, it was kind of it was kind of cool. It's flattering. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, no, what was the character like in Sorority Wars? Was he like the character in Acceptance, or he was a nicer guy? No, he was a nicer guy, much more real. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he was he was a good guy. You know, he's trying to he's trying to trying to be a, a decent college boy. Yeah. But you know, I didn't go to a normal college, so I didn't have that normal college experience. But uh, but the character did. You know, I, the, yeah, the character very much did. Right. But I think that for all the all the kids who go to college, you know, especially men, it's not, e- not easy. Well, it's not easy. Depends. Depends why you go to college. I think everyone's experience is a little different. <laughs> yeah, you sounded tough. I couldn't have done what you did. Um, now, 2010, you worked with a friend of mine who directed you in a movie called Brooklyn to Manhattan. Brooklyn Jesse to Ter- Manhattan. Jesse Terrero. Sure, I know Jesse. Jesse's awesome. I know him because I did X Men Three with Danya Ramirez. Yes. And she was in the movie, and Ariel Kebble was in this movie. So did you get to shoot this in New York? You guys go back to New York? <clears throat> we did, yeah. We shot it uh, We shot it in New York. We shot it in, in, in Brooklyn. We That's shot fun. it in... Uh, Gosh, I just want to make a movie in New York. Oh, my God. It is, like it's, Woody Allen. It's amazing. It's, just it's little, so awesome. You well, know? just because the streets are just made to be on film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all there. You don't, The production design exists already. And oddly enough, we spent most of it underground in the oh, subway really? tunnels. Ah. So the whole thing's about these kids who go to Brooklyn for this party led by my character, and then he wants to start dealing drugs. Right. And so it's a drug deal that goes wrong, and then they spend the rest of the night running from these thugs from Brooklyn back to Manhattan. So that's a much edgier role than these Lifetime movies. Yeah. And it was so actually – that was my, my first. Oh, really? <clears throat> that was my first, my first movie. I did that right after I did SVU. Oh, no way. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that makes sense yeah. that it was back then. But yeah. it didn't come out until 2010. But I should say Jesse... It still Tur- hasn't come out. Really? I don't I know if it's on will. DVD. No. Oh. I wish it were. I'd love to see it. Well, I should say Jesse Torero is uh, known for directing music videos. 50 Cent, Candy Shop Video, Ludacris, Sean Paul, Jill Scott, Leona Lewis, Mary J. Blige. Very prolific, talented music video director. Jesse's unbelievable. Yeah. He's going to be a big movie director, too. And he's a great film director, too. I mean, yeah. I didn't even realize before I started working with him that uh, he did Soul Plane. Yeah. <laughs> this is that's one of great. the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. That's true. Oh, that's cool. Well, that sounds like, yeah, I have to see that, too. Um, and his latest movie, Freelancers. Right. It's good. Is it out? Yeah. It is? Yeah, I just watched it on my iPad. I was flying uh, oh, I need to, see it. to Toronto, actually. I watched it, yeah. Now, tell me about this movie, <clears throat> another 2010 project, or at least released in 2010. Uh, it's called Ice Castles. Oh, Ice Castles was great. See, that's a remake. There was a movie in the 70s called Ice Castles. There was. And this was a remake. You played the same. I, Robbie Benton was in it. Exactly. And you played that same character. Yes. Um, tell me about that. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it's a remake of the original, which I think it was like 1978. Maybe? Yeah. I think it was 78. I just remember here, you just always growing up hurt. I don't know why. I just heard of this ice. It's like the girl's a figure skater and the guy's a hockey player. Yeah. And they fall in love on the ice, basically. Ice Castle. And it's such it's such a beautiful story. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So it's the same the remake's essentially the same story, just updated a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. Had you seen the original? I had, yeah. Before you, you before you did yours? Uh, yeah. Did that <laughs> I think I think I had I don't well, know. Well, because I don't know. Sometimes people <clears throat> don't watch the original when they're doing a remake because they don't want to be influenced. No, I absolutely watched it. Yeah. And I absolutely watched it even more so when I found out that Donald Rye was directing 
our movie, who directed the original. Oh, he did. Very interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So and now... He was unbelievable to work with. Well, I have to ask you, could you skate? Ice skate? I used, I used to skate a lot, like, growing up. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, when you're in the room and they're like, great audition, now please tell us that you can ice skate. And, and, and I, I could. I, okay. could, I could unequivocally say, I can skate. <laughs> I can skate. telling the truth. Yeah, and I was telling the truth. Right. I yeah. remember them promoting that movie because Michelle Kwan was in it. Michelle Kwan was yeah. in it. Oh, she's delightful. And you were the lead again, the lead, mm-hmm. the lead male. Yeah. So you book a lot of lead roles. I've been fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. It's very nice. It doesn't seem like you're ever just the sidekick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't mind being. Right. I guess it's fun. Yeah. But it's cool to be the leading man. It is cool. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, another project that you did that I did see, because by now we, we had known each other, so I watched this when you were on it, uh, a show called Jane by Design on ABC Family. I watched oh, your episode. Jane by Design, sure. It, yeah. <laughs> I love it. As if it was so long ago. <laughs> it was this year, right? No, it was, yeah. It was this, year, this year, last year, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun show. Super fun. Erica Dasher, she's great. Right. So Erica Dasher plays Jane, and Andy McDowell plays her boss. Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell is a big deal. Big deal. And sexy. Cool. Really cool, Groundhog Day. I, mean, I, I wish I wish I had I wish I could have worked with her on that. Uh, right, you were the we love just, we interest. We passed each other, and I was like, "Oh, you're beautiful." Right, she plays Jane's boss on Jane by Design. Right, yeah. right. So not her mom. So it's like you don't really get to interact with her boss. You right. played Jane. Did, did, did I say mom? No, no. I I'm saying oh. like had she played the mom, maybe you would have had more time to interact with her. Tell me about that though. So it's an ABC Family show. It's an ABC Family show. Um, about this girl who's 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 juggling her her high school life with being this um, I guess intern at uh, but she's like a prod- fashion house. prodigy kind of like fashion but she's prodigy. like this fashion yeah she she knows her stuff right and so she starts like pitching her ideas in, in the meetings and they're like wow this is actually brilliant let's start incorporating this right and she starts to do really well starts to do really well in the fashion world uh, and then my character comes in I play uh, the brother of her best friend right. Who has been like in and out of jail, dealing drugs? Uh, he's right. just total screw up, but uh, you know he's well intentioned. Um, ultimately, ends up uh, recruiting uh, Billy to my brother to help me uh, steal these drugs, and the deal goes awry again, just like Brooklyn Manhattan. Yeah, and the cops show up. A lot of drugs. <laughs> a, lot a lot of drugs. Of drug uh, we haven't even gotten to. We haven't even gotten to. Oh my god! Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, we get we're, we're, we go to jail, and it's just it's a whole mess. Right. That's edgy material for ABC Family. It is, yeah. Now, I have to mention this. That show was produced and directed by Gavin Pallone. I'm a big fan of Gavin Pallone. He is the producer of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He is like my favorite show ever. A king. Yeah, I don't know if people even realize. They know the name because they've seen it. But Gavin Pallone is legit. He's legendary. And he actually writes a column on Vulture.com. Do you ever read it? He does. It's so good. He does, yeah. He writes a really smart column on Vulture.com. He writes about the film business, the TV business. His, I read an article like a month ago that he wrote on Vulture that was um, why the quality of TV shows is so much better than movies right now. Like he sort uh-huh. of was comparing uh-huh. the – and it was sort of like what you were saying with the theater experience and just the quality of stuff that, that shows on television have to raise the bar because there's so many choices on TV that the quality just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, Gavin's Gavin's a genius. So he directed you on those episodes, correct? He directed me in one of them. So yeah. what was that like? That must have been cool. It was super cool. That's I mean, he's he's an intense guy. Yeah, that's what I hear. I mean, like no bullshit. <laughs> right. I remember I, I was that. like I was excited after one take and I came and like kind of, you know, did this like in my socks like slide across the floor. He's like, right. "No sliding." And like yells at me, I was like, "Oh god, okay." Wow. Oh, you tried to do like a risky business move? 
Ah, yeah. And he didn't like it. He didn't like it. That's okay. He didn't like it. So, okay, 2012, where we are right now. Mentioned this movie earlier. It's a big deal. It's called John Dies at the End. John Dies at the End. You play John. I I play John. You're the title character. John Cheese. The title character. Isn't it exciting? It's it's really <laughs> exciting. I mean, this I'm the, I am most excited for this right now because it's be. it's it's a cool cool movie. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm so ex- different from everything else out there. I'm glad that I got a chance to see it. Like I said, I got to see it at the midnight screening at Sundance, and they did a Q and A with the cast and crew after. What did that feel like? Because that audience were like, first of all, I should say it's written and directed by a man named Don uh, Coscarelli. Now, he's been making movies since the 70s. He did a movie called Phantasm, which most people probably haven't heard of. I mean, you have to be very inside Hollywood or at least know your cult movies to know about this movie Phantasm. There were four of them. And so it's the definition of a cult movie. I mean, it's as cult movie as you can get, right? That's what Don does. And That's he does what he does. so well. So the reason I say that is because the audience at Sundance were cult movie fans. Like, they knew him, they knew his work, and they were very excited to see John Dies at the End. I hadn't seen his work before. I was just excited for you that you were in John Dies at the End. So, But I'm in this theater of fervent fans, right? And so then you guys all get on stage at the end of the screening to do a Q&A. Now, how did that feel? You're standing on stage in front of an audience of people that have been dying to see this movie, and they all really loved it, it felt like. Yeah, it's intense and unreal. Yeah. Absolutely unreal. Um, it was uh, it was a script that I had read, that I fell in love with. Really, I thought, oh my god, I this was so so different, man. Different is everything <laughs> I'd ever read. Right, like if you're reading a stack of scripts, that one is going to stand out. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's okay. You can play like the boyfriend again, and that's right. nice. And then you cuddle and you kiss, and it's nice <laughs> or whatever. You, you screw up for a minute, and you come back and apologize, and she accepts you back. Whatever, that's fun. Right, but then to like deal with different dimensions and an evil being that is part cellular matter and <laughs> computer super genius right. that's trying to invade our dimension through right. this drug called soy sauce right. that's semi-living. <laughs> right. This evil being called Korok is trying to like consume our inter- or intellect-, intellect quotient for his own benefit and right. then kind of consume... It's 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 so nuts. It's nuts. I'm reading the script. I'm like, what what is going on? <laughs> right. I mean, God, I've seen the movie now so many times, and I still don't know what's coming next. Really? And I, I was in it. You know, like right. I made the movie. And I still forget like what's what's coming next. And what that was is cool. Was, Sun, was Sundance the first time you saw it? With a Sun, with yeah, actually, it was Sundance yeah. was the first time I saw the movie. Yeah, it was nuts. I agree. It, you know what? I, how I describe it almost? It's like you go on. You just go on a ride. You have no idea where it's going to take you. It's okay if things seem outlandish and and confusing. Just roll with it. It's so true, and it's like it's like a drug trip. It's a drug trip. It's a yeah. drug trip in movie form. It absolutely is. And the drug, like you said, is called soy sauce, right? The drug is called soy sauce. And I should say this. John Dies at the End has a built-in audience because it was a graphic novel. And the graphic novel was written by a guy named Jason Pargan. Jason Pargan. But he wrote it under the pseudonym David Wong. David Wong. I mean, it's so... That alone, that he didn't even use his real name. Look, you're dealing with <laughs> some really funny funny minds some yeah. really brilliantly well funny that's the minds. thing it's twisted not mine right but jason pargan it's twisted i mean this is the guy who, who who's behind crack.com right that's right you know and 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 he, i mean he's got a following from crack he's got a following from his book now right the the sequel to john dies the, right. the book 
just came out. This yes. book is full of spiders. Seriously, don't touch it. That's what the sequel is called. Really? That's that's. Are you? In, is your character in the sequel? He is in the sequel. Okay. Hopefully, there'll be a sequel movie. That'd be incredible. Really, fingers crossed. I think his sequel is now poised to be uh, like I don't know, number five or eleven or whatever on, on uh, New York Times bestseller list. Oh, so he's getting more mainstream. Absolutely. The, yeah. cult, the cult thing is becoming more mainstream, right? Because John dies at the end was a gra- it was actually it was like it was an internet thing. What well, was an internet thing that he kept just writing? <laughs> right. And it was like this like never-ending internet thing. And yeah. then he published it as a graphic novel. And I think someone was like, eh, you might want to stop doing that, take it off, and right. like make sell a it. book and sell it and actually make some money. And so then how did Don Coscarelli get involved? He found it and was just like, this is my next movie. So this is Don's story to tell, but he's not here, so I'll, I'll tell yeah, it real fast. So he – so funny. I asked Don. I said, how, how did you stumble across this book? Because it's so different and it's so fun. Right. Um, and it, it, it appeals to – you know, the thing about the book is, like, it's, like, it appeals to so many different demographics. Yeah. So it's not just, like, a like a young adult novel where the writing is crap, but there's a story that, like, you know, teenagers are going to want to see. <laughs> right. Like, it's 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 got content that's kind of shocking and trippy for everyone. Yeah. But it's also really well written. And yeah. And it's very smart and very clever and very funny. Right. Um, and so, I have to say also the performances are good. Like it doesn't feel cheesy or corny because the people feel real. Like for you, your character, you're like – and his friend. So Chase Williamson plays your best friend, mm-hmm. Dave. David Wong actually. David right? Wong. Right. So it's John and Dave and um, and Paul Giamatti who – come on. Oh, my God. Such he, an honor. Yeah. He, that was awesome. So Paul Giamatti gets involved. That's why it's not as culty because it's got Paul Giamatti. He makes it more mainstream, you know. But um, what I was going to say is the performances are so grounded in reality that when the weird things happen to these people, you're like they're tripping on the soy sauce. So it's kind of like you can go, you can go with it. Whereas other movies, you'd be like, this is too crazy. I can't, can't suspend my disbelief, you know. But in John Dies at the end, for some reason, you just, you just go with it. That's nice to hear, and I think that's that's uh, a tribute to to Chase's performance. Um, <clears throat> he's got this 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 thing about him where his eyes just. Like you are, they're entrancing, and right. you kind of fall into his his mind, yeah. And you feel like through him, he is the vehicle that takes you on this journey. Like you're stabbed with the sauce, you're injected with this drug, and now you're about and to now see by the... way of, of Chase's mm-hmm. character, like he kind of holds your hand and takes you through. So right. it's, you know, and this is his first his first his first role, really huge for me. Just graduated from USC. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are like the co-leads of this. Mm-hmm. And you, when he's freaking out, he calls you. He calls me. And talk about sort of that phone call, what you sort of say to him. You know, you're like, this is, how do you say it? Like, this isn't really happening. Or how do you sort of. We, we, we have, you know, we've so been trippy. friends for, for our whole lives. Yeah. And we, our characters have. And, uh, you know, we have all these little, like, code sayings. Right. And, you know, tomorrow's the day we kill the president and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And right. So what's that supposed to mean? Well, you know, he knows. Right. Um. <clears throat> So we, we kind of had that back and forth banner, and uh, you know I almost thought um, that maybe my character doesn't really exist. I could see that in real life, right? And I thought maybe like a sixth sense kind of weird. Maybe this is like David Wong, my character John right. is David Wong's like imaginary best friend, right? I could see that because in the book. David, like, stabs some kid in the face and, like, blinds him with a pencil. <laughs> okay. Okay, in school. So you immediately realize that maybe there's something off. Yeah. <laughs> with this kid. Severely. 
Uh, and since we've known each other since from from way back when, since childhood, I thought, well, you know, what? maybe this is his best imaginary <laughs> friend, right? And and he's trying to he he tries to in his head create this imaginary character who's so much cooler and so yeah. much funnier well, and better looking and blah blah blah. But he's so screwed up that he misses. He misses. He messes it all up, right. and ends up creating this guy who's even more screwed up than he. Well, John, no, but John is very cool. You're the comic relief, I would say. Now, what's the thing with the hot dog? Is, do you tell him to buy the hot dog over the phone? The bratwurst. Yeah, I tell the him to buy, buy the bratwurst. Right. So yeah. he calls you, and you're like, "Go to that stand, go buy a bratwurst," mm-hmm. and then you say, "Now use it as a cell phone." Yeah. Well, I don't want to give away too much. Okay. But but, but actually, wait, stuff back, like that. back to stuff like that. It just it's just so like, where the hell did and that how come is it from? working? Right. Where did that come from? Right. Where did it come from? Uh, but back to, 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 to Coscarelli, yeah. he had – this book was uh, suggested to him through Amazon. Oh, really? Because he had oh, bought, he had bought, he had bought some books, and it's like, <laughs> if you like this, you might also like John Dies at the End. He's like, Look what at is that. that? That's a crazy titled book. And so he got it, he read it, and he got the rights. So Amazon suggestions. Amazon. Are getting movies made. Robots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Robots. Are getting movies made that know too much about us and what we like. Um, but yeah, but I find it crazy that a robot suggested this book, and the book is essentially about an evil robot, semi-sentient robotic being from like outer space, right? So, so now the title's tricky because it's called John Dies at the End. Yeah. So the whole time we're waiting for your character to die at the end. Yeah. But my question is, did he ever exist in the first place? Wow, I didn't even really think that. I never really thought you didn't exist for some reason. I thought you were you were his best friend. But I could sort of see that. It's very – okay, I think I actually told you this. It's very Fight Club. Yeah. Exactly. I think I said you were like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, and he's the Ed Norton. And so you're like – it's constantly guiding him and talking to him, but maybe he doesn't exist at all. Yeah. That's not bad that you're the Brad Pitt It's cool. Fight Club. Yeah. That was a great movie. Great movie. Um, and so John dies at the end. Uh, what's sort of this response been? Because it had a big response at Sundance. You guys got a lot of attention. And then over the summer, it got distribution, right? Which is rare for a, a smaller cult movie to get actually get distribution, I would think. Yeah, I mean, this movie was made for nothing. Right. <clears throat> you know, we you shot sh- over the yeah. course of two or three months you know, you all around that? L.A. We shot out in Whittier. We shot, like, out in, I don't know, Compton or something. I mean, we were all over the place. I wish I, I wish I could Clarita. explain it more. It's so hard to explain the movie. I'm, it's like, remembering so scenes. It's so hard. Like, the scene with the, the security camera in that house. Like, I'm remembering all these little There's scenes. so much, but it's, like, it's too hard to you explain. Know, Okay, describe your 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 your, your happiest moment, your, 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 your best night out ever. Right, I, I, you can't. It's, it's, it's a too feeling. much is happy. It's a right. feeling, you know. And that's that's kind of what I think this movie has. Yeah, right. That's that, and so it was fun to shoot. Obviously, so fun, so fun. And were you? Did you even know always what was going on? Because there's that scene in the basement with the monsters. It's like some. Monster. I had no idea what was going on. I was I was on soy sauce the whole time. <laughs> right, right. And now explain Paul Giamatti's involvement. He came on as a producer, right? Yeah, he came out as a producer, and he plays the role of Arnie Blonstone, mm-hmm. who is a journalist. Right. And he interviews uh, David Wong, Chase Williamson's character, over the course of uh, over the course of the movie. Right, and they're sort of sitting in a diner the whole time. They're sitting in this, in this the Chinese, oh, it's a Chinese, Chinese restaurant, restaurant right. called They China Food. Right, with soy and, sauce. Uh, with soy sauce, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's interviewing him. Over the course of the whole movie, and it's it's told like in flashback, yes, and flash forward, right? And you don't know where it's going to go. I still don't. Well, I hope. Right, exactly. I hope for your sake there's a sequel. That'd be really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So, like I said before, that comes out on demand December twenty seventh 
and then released in theaters February 2nd. So that's cool. So you have a bunch of cool things coming up. Now, let's talk about what you're working on right now. 90210. 90210. Big show. It's an awesome show. Did you watch the original 90210? I did. Beverly Hills 90210? I did. I remember I was on a bus one day coming home from school, and this girl I had a crush on who was a few years older than me, like had this 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 permanent marker tattoo like on her arm, and it was like all these digits, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and she's like, that's 90210. And I'm like, no idea what that is. Wow. She's like, it's on tonight. You should watch it. And I did, and I got hooked. Wow. Yeah. Talk about um, guerrilla promotion. I know. Girls walking around with, like, Sharpie 9020 in their arm. Cute girls. And you're like, what's that? Yeah. 9020, you should watch it. There's something there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, So you did watch the original. Now, um, (coughs) my guest on episode two of On the List was Riley Smith. And he, too, is on 90210 now, joined this season. And he, uh, his episodes start this Monday, which, what's the date on Monday? I don't even know. 12, 13, 14. 15th. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Monday the 15th, Riley Smith's episodes start. And I don't know how much you're allowed to say about your character, but I believe your storyline and Riley Smith's storylines intersect. They do. Which is cool for me because two of my friends get to work together. And Super I get, cool. And I yeah. get to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's terrific. So when do you, when do your episodes start? Uh, I start – I think I come on board uh, – my, my episodes are, what is it, uh, the end of this month. So the episode four – Okay. Episode four. So two weeks after the 15th. A 20, <laughs> what is it, 29th? 29th, right? Yes. Gosh, counting. Counting. Yeah, <clears throat> October 29th. Okay. I'm yeah. glad we got you on here before that. So tell me, um, I know Riley Smith, his character's in a wheelchair. The character's name is Riley. He told us that whole story. Mm-hmm. And he is somehow romantically linked to Sinead Grimes' character. Yes. And so now where does Rob Mays fit in? Who do you play and how do you fit in and how much are you allowed to share about your character? Right. So, yeah, I don't want to say too much. Okay. Um, but I play this, like, world traveler, computer programmer. Okay. What's your name? Adventurer guy. Okay. His name is Colin Andrews. Sounds like an international man of mystery. He most certainly is. That sounds fun. It's very fun. Now, is this just a regular audition? You go into audition for 90210? particular role or they knew you because i know david rapaport the casting director he knows everybody he knows every young actor he employs all my friends so i'm sure he had seen you before we had lunch today um oh you did yeah um yeah i mean i've i think i've i've gone out for the show now for the last i don't know five years right it's in its fifth season yes i've been going out for for a long time and i've I've wanted to get on the show for many years yeah um and it just uh, had to be the right character just yeah just got the opportunity and i think i think it's a really cool character to uh to play so do they come to you, and or does David tell you? You know, I think this is it, Colin Andrews. Nope, no, nope. You <laughs> nope. went in for the. You went in for. The I went audition. in. I went in like I always do, and I, you know, fingers crossed. And it's like, all right, probably not going to get it. And mm-hmm. did I get it? You know, no. And then this time it came around. And I was like, actually, that was probably one of the worst auditions of my life. And they called me up. They're like, actually, we want you to do it. I'm like, what? You're nuts. That's an ongoing theme on this podcast. Is every time someone thinks they blew it, they get that part, or if they didn't have enough time to prepare. Or they're not so in their oh, head. Oh, even more so, yeah. You get it because you're more instinctual. And you sort of do it more real instead of doing it too polished or too rehearsed. Like I rehearsed for, for our podcast today so much that I right. just don't know how this is going right now. No, I'm it's just, going I'm just very, very it's going know, really self-conscious. Well. And, yeah. It's going extremely well. Okay. Um, so, But it has that feel to be on 90210. That's an iconic show. And now this is the rebirth of that show. It feels really cool. And it, it's, it's, it's a great cast with a lot of sexy women. Yeah. Um, so who are you working with? Shanae Grimes? Yeah, I work with Shanae. 
and uh, Annie Annalyn, Annalyn a little bit. Oh, you do work with Annalyn McQuarrie. A little bit. Uh, Jessica Straub. Um, Riley. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah, and what was cool was what I mentioned earlier when I worked with uh, Senna Hamri, the director of Acceptance. Right. She was on board for directing my the second episode that I did. Oh, really? So, it's, you know, yeah, it's kind of cool. Oh, that's nice. And she's terrific. I came back around. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that shoots out in Manhattan Beach. So Riley was talking about it's a little bit of a trek, but it's fun. Okay, now we're going to talk about traffic. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like. It, it, is a, it is a trek. It is a trek. <laughs> but it's got to be nice to but shoot. But it's beautiful. Yeah, on the beach. And you feel like you're, on, that's a you're removed job. from, like, you know, this here. But at the same time, you're in what everyone thinks of when they think of Los Angeles. You're on the beach with the palm trees. Yeah, yeah. With beautiful girls. The day I drive. And you're getting paid. Like, yeah, and we're making money doing that. It's like, incredible. Like, what do you I know. Having fun getting It's money so fun. Paid. You're living your dream and you're getting paid. Um, a couple other projects you have in the works before we wrap up. Um, you're playing a naval officer in a movie, right? I, I remember you were shooting that last summer, right? I uh, Last, was it something? Did you, no, two years ago, December. Really? Yeah. And then two. we had reshoots la- oh, okay, uh, last Oh, okay. Because summer. we were at. Jason Basson and Donna Katz's wedding, and I think That's you told me you were like, I'm working on something where I play a naval officer. And I was like, well, there you go. That came in handy. <laughs> so which project is that? It's a very special project, um, one well, that I wanted to be a part of very much. Golden Christmas, correct? Oh, th- yeah, Golden Wait, Christmas. Oh, I, I, got, we, we got, I, got, I got two. I got two Navy movies. What's the other one? Um, yeah, you're right. So that 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 actually was this this last uh, summer. I guess. Wait, Sorry. tell me the other one. Um, Burning Blue. Oh, Burning Blue. That's right. Burning Blue. You had to screen it. You screened that recently. Or you saw they that did. Yeah, Lionsgate just screened it for us a couple weeks ago. Oh, so tell me about both. Tell me about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that was so that's, funny. that's really funny. Um, so you played a naval officer twice. Tell me about two, Burning Blue. Yeah, two totally different movies. Two totally different movies. Um, no, I play, Burning Blue is, is the one you were saying you really wanted to be a part of. How did you know about it or why? Burning Blue, I read the script, fell in love with it, thought it was such a beautiful love story about two fighter pilots who had gone to the Naval Academy. Right, that's the one you told me. Which about. I thought was pretty crazy. It was like, wow, I did too. Like, yeah, that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I left the Academy, I told my buddies that, you know, if I can, if I can, I want to give something back to you guys and there's the role I could play, you know, military role or something, like, it's for you. And I'll do that with, you know, integrity. And, yeah. And then I found this script, and it came my way, and I thought, wow. And I'm reading it, and I'm really loving it. And then I realized that it's about two fighter pilots who fall in love. Uh, it's like Brokeback Mountain. Two in the Navy. male fighter, fighter pilots fall in love with each other and abandon their families and realize that they're in love with each other. Wow. And So you went in on that audition. Did you tell them you had the Navy background? Yeah, I met with the director. And we sat down and we just we talked for hours. Really? And it's his story. No way. It's David Greer's story. He's uh, one of the most thoughtful and generous people. And that's a daring role to take on. Uh, challenging role. It was. It was Especially challenging when it's a true story too. <laughs> it was. Cha- well, that's that was that's what made it even. I think. And the person who lived more it, challenging, wrote it, directed it. Because I was playing a character. Exactly, I was playing a character who. David had essentially fallen in love with. Oh, okay. So you're not playing him. You're playing I'm not playing him. I'm playing the person playing he fell in love with. The person that he fell in love with. And in a tragic plane crash, this guy dies. Right. My character. Not to give away but the movie, but it happened in real it's, life. It, it happened in real life, and it happens, you know, probably midway through the movie. Mm-hmm. And 
It was a play that debuted in the West End oh, really? about 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, ran out there very well. And then it uh, was in New York. I think it was in California. It was all over the world. Um, and then they finally decided to make a movie of it here like 15 years later. So when is that coming out? When can people see that? I don't know. I don't know. I hope. I hope soon because it's, it's, it's uh, not only such a poignant story but also timely now with Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. And, right. Um, does it take place in the past or he made it modern? Day? It does take place uh, like in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Before anyone talked about it. Right. But it's a, it's a beautiful story. Yeah. It's so different from anything else that I've done. Yeah, I was and just going to say. something that, that speaks to me in a, in a different way than, than uh, other movies I've seen and other, and other projects I've done. Right. And that'll be good for you for people to see you do something like that. And Home for Christmas... Is it Home for Christmas? Well, they change. They keep changing the name. I don't know. Home for Christmas. Then it was uh, Golden Christmas Three, and now it's Love for Christmas. And it's 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 something with Christmas in the title. Golden loving being home at the holiday time. Right. That's with re- golden retrievers. Now I'm going to guess that that comes out November December of this year. It does. It does. <laughs> it actually time. comes out next month on okay. Ion TV. Okay. And, and you play uh, a naval officer again, but now it's I play an enlisted uh, Navy guy. Okay. Who comes home from from uh, being overseas and runs into a girl that he was in love with uh, back in in high school that never really gave him the time of day? Oh wow! And um, they ultimately end up falling in love. So it's another love story. Another love story. You're a romantic lead, and this, I, I'm really excited to see this. It's very heartwarming. <laughs> There's well, it's nice to do a Christmas movie. Probably, uh, yeah. It's the so whole fun. family can it's watch so it. Fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have a lot of Rob May stuff to watch this year. Um, now, are you shooting this movie now, Nicole Holoff Center movie? Is that happening? You know, I I, I just I just did it. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. Well, I did it. I had a little bit like a, a, a day. Yeah, but you shot day. it. Yeah, I mean, it was such an honor to, to, to be in one of her movies. Well, I was just going to say, it's, a, it's, it's called right now the Untitled Nicole Holoff Center Project. Which I think is a great title. They should just keep it. No, no, no. But she did movies that I'm sure people have heard of. She's like an indie darling. You know, she did Walking and Talking, Lovely and Amazing, mm. Friends with Money, which uh, I've seen because it stars one of my favorite people, Jennifer Aniston. Sure. Everyone who listens to this knows that. Uh, and also the movie Please Give that I liked that came out like last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing all those movies have in common is Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. She's in every movie Nicole makes. Nicole writes and directs. I guess she's her good luck charm. But – um. This movie has Tony Collette, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, James Gandolfini. I mean, that's a good cast. Yeah, it's incredible. Who did you get to work with out of the cast? Oh, you know, I got to work with uh, Julia and uh, Tony Collette and no uh, Ben Falcone. And, uh, you know, I played a waiter. I delivered him bread. <laughs> is that true? It is. Did you flirt or something? Oh, my God, I tried to. Oh, you, the character didn't. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus, everyone knows Elaine from Seinfeld. Tony yeah. Collette is from Sixth Sense and United States of Terror. And Ben Falcone is actually, he's Melissa McCarthy's husband, right? In real life? Isn't he? What? You, really? Maybe. Isn't he in the scene? Isn't he the air marshal? Yeah. In Bridesmaids? Yeah, yeah. they're married. They're married? Life. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> he's the air marshal. I, th- I thought maybe I was wrong for a second. No, no but he's, he's the air marshal. Yeah. yeah it, that's yeah. her real husband. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like a comedy duo powerhouse. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So 
even though it was a small part, because of all the people involved, you wanted to make sure you got involved with that. Absolutely, yeah. So that's cool. I think that's cool once in a while to do something like that because of who else is in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like, I literally, you probably won't even see me in the movie. But really? just, just to be just to be a part of it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, James Gandolfini, um, we talked about a lot last week because my guest was Jamie Lynn Sigler. Mm-hmm. And that was her TV dad, mm-hmm. Tony mm-hmm. Soprano. Oh, she's tremendous. I love her. Who, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. You got to listen to last week's podcast. I will. She's got a great story. But everyone sort of starts the same way. Everyone starts, you know, as a kid who loved this stuff, loved the arts and music and and theater and film and TV, and then somehow their life took them on this path that got them here. Yeah. And you're one of those people. So you have a ton of stuff coming out in the next couple months. Thank you. It's great. Very exciting. Well, it's fun because, too, as an actor, you know, you're filming it all, and then you wait for them to come out. You wait for the release. Mm-hmm. That's true. So here you go. So this is a lot of Rob May stuff. Um, what else is coming out that we should be on the lookout for? I've also got um, a Hallmark movie yeah. called Meddling Mom, which uh, airs on Mother's Day. Perfect day to air. With Sonia Braga. Which, oh, really? Yeah, super sexy. Wow. Beautiful. Now, what's your role in that? Are you? What is Meddling Mom? She <laughs> she is she is the Meddling Mom, and she, she meddles in all of her her daughter's okay. lives. Interesting. And, um, does she flirt with her daughter's love interest? You know what? She kind of does. And are you that character? I am. <laughs> I, I am. Know. I, I am. Know. I'm an architect, and she kind of flirts with me. Wow. She takes me on a picnic. I see a theme, but it's all it's very flattering to get <laughs> cast in those roles. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. So that's exciting. So between now and Mother's Day, there's a lot of Rob Mays. So everybody check all that stuff out. Hopefully not too much. Well, no. There's no such thing. Um, but, yeah, first things first, 90210, Monday, October 29th. I've got 90210 on my season pass on my DVR, so I will be watching that. Uh, now, something we do, we mentioned Jamie Sigler when we were talking about The Sopranos. Uh, something we do on this show is called The Mystery Question, and I'm sure you've heard it since you listen to the, every episode of the podcast. Um, my guest from the previous week leaves a question for my guest the next week, which is now you. Uh, Jamie Sigler was the guest last week. Uh so they write it down, they seal it in an envelope, I don't even see it, and it just is a way to close the show on a topic that I don't even know. So I'm not prepared, you're not prepared. No, Some I'm not prepared. Mystery <clears throat> everywhere. So here, I will hand you the envelope. The envelope is being passed. <laughs> yes. It's like the Oscars. Open okay. the envelope. Is it time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very dramatic <laughs> opening of the envelope. I'm excited to hear what Jamie Sigler had to ask. Oh, and then I will give you one so you can fill one out. Read that out for us. In what year... No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A history question. Okay. Jamie asks, was there a specific moment in your life that made you realize what you wanted to do for a living? Nice question. That is a nice question. You know, actually, okay, little, last, last little story, right? Please. So I was going to a birthday party when I was, I don't know, second grade, maybe third grade. I was super, super young. And I was super terrified to go to this particular party. Okay. <clears throat> Why? I don't know. It was like my friends from school. Okay. But it was at one of, you know, it was, his, it was at his house. And my my father had dropped me off, and I asked him to stay. <laughs> really? I said, will you please stay in the car? 
uh, I'll be like an hour. Just stay in the car and wait for me. He's like, okay. So my dad, meanwhile, was like outside sitting in the car. This is like before cell phones and stuff, right? So right. I don't know what he's doing. Read the paper or something. But I, I know what you mean, Kevin. I remember moments like that kind of when you go to something and you just don't want your parents to leave just yet in case you, in case you change your mind. terrified. Interesting. I was so scared. Yeah. And so I went to this party and I must say, I think this is probably one of the most fun parties I've ever been to, even to this day. Right? Really? I mean, we, there was a pinata. Oh, yeah. There was a scavenger are... hunt. Oh, that's I mean, fine. it was like, it was the shit. You know, it was awesome. Did you tell your dad he could go at any point or you left him in the car? No, I came back later, like a few hours later, and I was happy, all smiles. And he's like, hey, I'm like, cool. All right, let's leave. Cool. Oh, uh, so nice. Um, I know I should have. I, I was selfish. I should have told him he could, he could go. But <laughs> Dad, it's cool. I got a pinata. <laughs> I'm, I'm pinata. Good. I got a pinata, man. We're all good. We're all right. <laughs> um, so we're there and we're playing all these games. And I remember one of the games that. The, 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 the my buddy's mother had us play was where they had these strips of paper or like these whatever like hello my name is you know stickers. name tags name right. tags thank you got it and on each one was some well known person's name whether yes. it's like a celebrity or a politician or, right. or you know Michael Jackson or or whoever it was okay and. Each of us got the sticker put on our backs. Right. And then we had to go around and ask yes or no answer questions yeah. to find out who we will be That's when we grow up. Okay. It was who his mother, like, forecasted us to be. Oh, wow. As adults. Right. And everyone around, and they're asking questions, and, you know, the one guy figures out that he's going to be... I forget who. Uh, Michael Jordan. The other guy finds out that he's going to be, you know... The president or whatever. Wow. Everyone figured very, out who they were going to be. They all, they all knew and they all, you know. Very lofty goals. And I was the only one who couldn't figure it out. Huh. I was like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> and so I finally take it off. Like, all right, well, we got to move on to the next game. Pinata's <laughs> right, waiting, guys. So, right. like, just take it off. So I took off the sticker and look at it. And it said, it had someone's name there. And it said Tom Cruise. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't know who that was. I said, who's that? I'm like, this is an actor. I was like, actor? What? You think I'm going to be an actor? What? And thinking back now, I'm like, that's so funny. Wow. That's so funny. Are you still friends with him? And here I am, like, being you an actor. Doing you, know? it. you could be the next Am Tom I still Cruise? friends with Tom Cruise? No, no. We had a big <laughs> falling out a few years ago. Are you still <laughs> friends with the kid whose birthday party it was? You know, I haven't talked to them in a long time. No, you have to find him on Facebook or I something. Should. And you I have should. to tell him to tell his mom. I should. That it came true. I should. His mom, meanwhile, was like, you know that game I used to play? I never knew if it worked. They're not the president. They're not Michael Jordan. But, they're, <laughs> yeah. but that little kid, Robbie Mays, is an actor. Isn't that funny, though? Wow. I like that story. So is that the moment to answer Jamie Sigler's question? I don't know. I think that was the first moment that I, that I like. That an actor as a job sort of was a thing. Yeah, well, that, that I ever even considered, considered it for uh, a split second. Right. And then which then takes. That it was even a possibility. Right. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. The moment you realize that's an actor, like, playing a role. That's a job. That's someone's occupation. I feel that way with writing and directing. When I was a kid and I realized that that's a job, making movies, making TV shows, it's profound. Well, then you realize, like, wait, that's not – that's actually a person who's pl- – oh, that's exactly. – Harrison Ford is playing the future. I get it now. Right. I was watching the future with my parents. And like, my mom was like to my dad, oh, is that Harrison Ford? He's like, yeah, I think it's Harrison Ford. I'm like, Harrison Ford? You don't know who Harrison right. Ford is. What are you talking about? I'm like, you know him. You don't right. know him. Right. And from that point, I made it a point not to know the <laughs> actors because I was like, I don't know them. I'm not going to talk to them like I know. I talk about them like I know them. Right. And now you work with them. And, and you I'm, do know them. I know them. 
That's cool. Yeah, man. And it all comes full circle in a way because then at the Naval Academy, it's something inside you was like, I'm going to go back to the arts. Mm-hmm. And you did it. And here you are. And you've got TV shows coming out and movies coming out. It's very exciting. Very exciting. I'm very happy for you. I'm a big fan of yours as a person, but also of your work. I told you that at Sundance. When I saw you making, saw you in the movie, I was like, you know what? This kid can act. He's Thank the, you. He's the real deal. Thank you. Um, so I hope everybody checks that out. I've said it a million times, but the movie will be on on demand on December 27th. Uh, okay. To close out the show, I just have to say, oh, wait. First of all, here's your card and your envelope. So, or there's your card and your envelope. And your pen, so if you'd please leave a question for my next guest and seal it away, and I don't know who it is yet, and you don't know who it is yet, and and they'll answer it at the end of the next show. And to close out the show, I would just like to say that On the List has been brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. So you can go to wahoos.com. You can enter to receive your very own Wahoo's catered event for you and your friends with hosts from the Haha JK Podcast Network at a Hollywood venue. And thank you for listening, and tune in next time. And that is it for... This episode of On the List, thank you very much, Rob Mays. It's great having you. Thank you so much, man. This was this was so fun. Isn't it fun to reflect, yeah. to remember the good old days? It's very nice. I hate talking about myself, but with you, it's you know more of like a conversation over coffee. Exactly, <laughs> totally. And were you drinking coffee this whole time? I was drinking a little. I had a little bit. Yeah. Oh, so we did. It is like we yeah. drank coffee. I drank coffee. I drank water. Give we, people we, a little inside scoop. We on shared we, a beverage. Yeah. We did. We did. Uh, Thank you so much. And everybody, uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And tune in next time to On The List on HaHaJK.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.